morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? Doing great, man. How are you? Good. I want to wish you a happy day. Happy Friday. From the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River, we have gathered here today uh, to get through this thing called life with another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting, Ray. Wow, you just pulled some prints right in there. You are a creative genius. Did you know, Ray, that Eddie Van Halen plays the solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It? Uh, and we discussed that before we started recording, and we had determined that the data was inconclusive. It that. is. It may be in your head, but in my truth, in my world, Ray, it's an absolute 100% proven fact. Proven by... by Where'd you find this? By my knowledge in my brain. Eddie Van Halen plays the solo in Michael Jackson's Beat It. You know, um, Google it. Okay. You want to hear it right now? No, I don't want to hear it. I want you to Google it. All right. Um, how should I Google it? Who played lead guitar on Michael Jackson's Beat It? On Beat It. Uh, it was Eddie Van Halen, July 14th, 1984. All right. Performed Beat It live with his brothers during the Jackson Victory Tour. But not on the recording. Yes. No? Yes. During the concert. He was a surprise guest on Beat It, the album's third single. His blazing guitar solo lasted all of 20 seconds and took half an hour to record. He did it for free as a favor to producer Quincy Jones while the rest of his Van Halen bandmates were out of town. Boom, mic drop on your face. So we agree the date is inconclusive. Here's the solo. It's 52 seconds. No, we're not going to. No, come on. Stephanie just beat her. This is an ad. We have to uh, wait so for the let's, let's, let's not. So let's move on. Can we please? You remember that part? Yeah. Uh, that's part of it right there. That was a short 52 seconds. I didn't play it all because you freaked out about it. Yeah, I freaked out. I went bonzo. Gonzo. You know whose nickname that is? Who? Ted Nugent. Come on, man. What is? Where's your 80s music knowledge? Uh, it's non-existent, eh? <laughs> well, you can tell me all about the uh, Flying Seagulls or whoever they are. No. With the hair, remember that? I remember the Flying Seagulls. What were they? I mean, that's not really the name of them. What are they called? The Flo was it Flock, Flock of, of Seagulls? Seagulls? Flock of Seagulls, yeah. That was probably your favorite band. Them and Duran Duran. No. Maybe a little Boy George thrown in there. No, I appreciate Duran Duran more today than I did in the 80s. Were you a big fan of uh, 99 Luft Balloons? No, I did not like that song at all, and I still don't. Um... <laughs> I bet you got really upset when Sinead ripped the picture of the Pope on SNL. No. Shaved no. her head on live TV. I didn't I didn't remember either of those things. Um, Guns N' Roses, Rush, Pink Rush. Floyd. You were one of those Rush guys. Did you have a t-shirt with a Rush on it? I didn't. Okay. Had I had one, though, I would have worn it. Did you have a mullet? No. Well, you're not living up to the Rush fan base criteria here very much. They're a Canadian band. You know that, right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're a Canadian mm. band. I never uh, got into Rush. It's so boring to me. Really? Yeah. Today's I think, Tom uh, Sawyer. He's a pinball wizard. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
whatever the hell. I'm sorry. You're the same guy who was mocking me, like, uh, what, two and a half minutes ago for my knowledge base, and now you're saying that you didn't care for Rush and their pinball wizard? Today's Tom Sawyer. He's a pinball wizard. That's not how He's got mud on his face. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got Rush, Queen, (laughs) and Elton John in there all in one song. No, pinball wizard's the who, I believe. Well, it was on Tommy. Right, yeah. which is a rock opera. Okay. Um, See, any, anybody who likes a rock opera, come on, man. Do you like the Who? No. All right. I don't like the Who. I don't and, like the. But, but it was performed yeah. during Tommy by Elton John. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Elton John's actually in the the movie or the rock opera, as they call it. Huh. Yeah, it's a classic. You haven't seen Tommy? No, I don't know, man. I didn't by the Who. Uh, Wow. No, I haven't seen Tommy. All right. No. Yeah. Good good uh, good flick. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh you know, <laughs> have you have you ever heard the uh, uh. the saying uh better to be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt? I have not. I, have I don't know why that just came same. to me. <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that, you know. Crazy train of thought, but... It was probably today's topic, seven signs of a bad manager. That's okay. actually, yeah. With, there's a couple of articles here we're going to discuss today, Ray, and it's about bad managers and good managers and the differences between the two. The first article we're going to reference here is about the seven signs of bad sales managers. Number one, they hire the wrong salespeople. You know something about this. How do you find the right salespeople? Um, I think the number one criteria is coachable for me. Okay. Somebody who's open to developing and growing and interested in learning and creating better skill. Uh, and then secondly, I think it's somebody who is personable, easy to talk to. Yeah, friendly, outgoing. Yeah. Okay. Not necessarily an extrovert. This says this is uh bad sales managers are often the type of person that when interviewing someone throws the overused phrase sell me this pen. <laughs> We've discussed that at length. <laughs> which we are not uh, fans of that uh, way of Right. Uh, it says they don't actually know how to interview salespeople or what to look for in good salespeople. But if the salesperson or the interviewee can talk the talk, then they get the job. Right. Uh, I'll tell you another one may not yeah. be listed there. Yeah, come on. But uh, I've been a part or seen those sales managers or people in a hiring capacity where they'll interview somebody and they do all the talking. <laughs> yeah. Right? The interviewer talks the majority of the time. And they yeah, miss the whole that? purpose of the interview, which is to get the interviewee to talk as much as possible to reveal what kind of employee they might be. The good Lord, Ray, gave us two ears and one mouth. Right? Number two, the, they lead from behind their desk. You have never run across that, have you? Uh, I can say, unfortunately, I have seen those managers who lead from behind the desk. Right. They're not out on the floor. They're not engaged with their team, whether it's a BDC manager, service director, sales manager, GSM, whatever. Manager of any business. Yeah. Right? They're busy behind the desk, door closed, conversing with top staff, and there's no engagement. There's no involvement. There's no getting 
boots on the ground. Well, that comes up in number three is they never trained their salespeople. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a huge one, man, is, you know, all these things are kind of building a picture, right? Yeah. You hire the wrong person, then you sit behind a desk and don't train them at all. Well, you sit behind the desk and don't engage with them. Yeah. To see, I think the engagement piece is, if I'm not having regular conversations with those people that I'm managing, I, I miss the opportunity to maybe hear what their frustrations are. Right, yeah, where or, are we winning? Where are we failing? Or celebrate their wins? Yeah, right. It's not all just about the the negative, catching the bad stuff, but it's catch them doing something right. Right, yeah. celebrate that win. I mean, give them those uh, those accolades. And we've talked tremendously about building a team and mentoring. Right, right. Being a leader, not a manager. And, and then the training piece. Yeah. And I think even if you don't, you're not that comfortable with training. I would say. Anybody can follow the watch one, do one, teach one mentality. Yeah. Right? So if, if you're not even, you, you think, God, I've never really trained before. I'm not really sure how I would be trained or I was never trained, so I don't really know. I just figured it out myself, but now I'm expected to go train. Well, you can always default to watch one, do one, teach one, which is watch me do it. Now you do it. Now let me see you explain to somebody else how to do it. Well, I, th- I think that's a huge thing is, I think, you know, unfortunately a lot of sales managers are afraid to fail. You know, they're afraid to get out there and do one. You right. know, they'll sit there and watch one and criticize the, the things you did wrong all the time, uh, but they won't get out there and show you how it's done. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things we do when we go into stores, we'll go talk to customers. We'll get on the phone. We'll oh, make yeah. phone calls right beside that BBC agent. Yeah. Right beside that salesperson. And yeah, we'll say, all right, I'm going to do this one. Yeah. All right. That one. Here's what happened on that right. one. Listen in. Yeah. Now it's your turn. You yeah. do one. One of the greatest investments I made when I would go out on the road and train. Yeah. Cost. And, and I think I even got it from you. You did. I, I did. Didn't say. I? And what did that thing cost? $7. Yeah. Right. They, uh, from Amazon, and it was simply uh, a, a splitter. splitter. Yeah, that, yeah. You could plug into the phone so that you could actually have two receivers, mm-hmm. and it was high tech. You could even turn the uh, the other one off the yeah. mic part of the phone off on one of the phones, so there was no bleed over from the second phone. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was you know high tech stuff, man. Seven bucks. I found a an extra receiver just at a. Uh I don't know, a thrift store, consignment store or something that was bright red and it had a bright red phone cord that nice. went with it. Yeah. So then I got that splitter off Amazon and I, and then I think at the same consignment place, I found just like a little silver, um, it was like a little carrying case, but it yeah. was about the size of a phone receiver okay. and had foam padding in it. Okay. So I would put that receiver in there with the little switch Carry that little silver box in and say, all right, it's time to get on the phone. And I'll play it down and pop it open. You know, Did you handcuff it to your the wrist? The angels would sing when I would open it up. You should have handcuffed it to your wrist. <laughs> yeah. I would be afraid of losing the key. Right. Well, <laughs> but you'd never lose a phone receiver. That's true. Unless it was open and then it fell out. So, yes. I think training, if you, and you said this the other day. As I listened to the podcast, and I think it was a moment of brilliance that you had. Surely not, Ray. If you have manager or director in your name, then it is your responsibility to be doing training. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It says number four here that they always put the pressure on their sales reps to perform, but you know, don't teach them how to perform. Don't go through the objectives and you know, here's what I'm looking for and here's what I want you to accomplish. They don't share that with them, right? Or how to accomplish those goals. Yeah. It's just I need 15 units out of you this month, right? Or I need you know whatever, right? A hundred appointments out of you this month, yeah. And and no process, no. Uh, key performance indicators, nothing to talk about. No, nothing checking success. in throughout right. the month. Right. Well, it goes back to a phrase I use often. Every problem in a dealership or business in general, every problem is a management problem and every solution is a management solution. If I go into a dealership and the first thing the manager's telling me is how horrible his salespeople are, I know, you, no, you're weak, right? It's not their fault. It's your fault. Yeah. 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 Okay, so here, number six, they are emotionally unstable. <laughs> it says, uh, they're often angry, stressed, or in a state of panic, but sometimes they're happy and bouncing off the walls. When it's good, boy, is it good. They make you feel amazing, and they're excitable and positive and full of optimism. But when it's bad, however, oh my, everyone is failing, nothing is acceptable, and everyone's jobs are at risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and we've run across a few of those as well. We have. We have... Seeing some of the uh, quintessential uh, <laughs> emotional train wrecks in yeah. management roles. Absolutely. You know, we tell employees all the time, you know, leave your personal drama at the door and come in here and get the job done, right? right. right. But somehow the upper level management gets away with not doing that, right? Yeah. At least for the time being. Absolutely. They usually yeah. burn out pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just move to another dealership and become yeah. a manager there. Exactly. So, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I guess it, you know, the fact that he would state that shows that it's maybe a bigger problem than I might have guessed, <laughs> even though you've seen it a, more than a few times. I've seen it more than a few times. So, maybe it's just uh, commonplace and it's unfortunate. Well, and that leads into the point number seven here. I think we skipped one in there, but that's okay. Uh, number seven, it says they hold their salespeople back. And I think that comes into a fear or a lack of confidence in the manager is you don't want your people to be better than you. Yeah. You know, we talked about, you know, I'll do one, you do one. Right. You know, a lot of times they don't want to do that because they're not quite sure about their ability. Right. Well, if, if a salesman starts getting better at closing than they are, I think it can hurt their ego and they kind of knock them down a few pegs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... What a great thing, right? To have <laughs> have salespeople that are better at closing than me. That would be, you know, the ideal and desired not to be feared. But, yeah. you know, again, I guess there are those. And I mean, when I heard you say that the first time, you know, they hold their salespeople back. Yeah. I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that. How How would a manager really be holding them back? Obviously, the manager is being held accountable for the success of the people he's managing. So, but we saw it happen in one dealership we were in. I mean, we were in there coaching and, you know, met this manager. This manager literally handpicked who he liked to, you know, be the top guy and to lead a team and to, you know, he would feed them deals so they're on top of the board. Right. And then the people that he didn't agree with. Okay. He's. You know, well, there's no way we can put this deal together. Right. Well, so, I, I need you to go, uh, you know, do this thing, this project for me for two hours. Don't be out on the point catching up. Right, right. 
And so you see it as not uniformly holding all the salespeople back, but in what I commonly reference in coaching and, and consulting is picking winners and losers. Yeah. And yeah, that's a horrible trait uh, that I do see commonly throughout business in consulting is those managers who are picking who they want to win and picking who they are anticipating the loss and then it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, and then they're they're uh, skewing the game, right? So that those certain right. people win and these certain people lose. Yeah. Right. So yeah, from that perspective, absolutely, I, I think it is unfortunately commonplace and certainly the hallmark of a poor manager. And I hope if there's any good in the world that those people don't last very long. Unfortunately, I think you know it's not just the car business. I mean, we see that in. Uh, you know, public officials and in large corporations yep. where, you know, the, the, I mean, hell, you look at that, what is that series on Netflix that had Kevin Spacey in it? Uh, it was, do you remember? Yeah, where he was a politician. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the name. I remember the series. Well, anyway, so everybody else, if they know it, they know right. the show we're talking about. But that show was like six seasons, all about you know him just working deals and, and elevating some people and screwing other people, right. and kind of calculating and orchestrating the whole thing. Yeah, I, you know, again, hopefully well, those people don't last. I think it's that that was representative of politics in a nutshell. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's a lot of politics. In businesses. Amen. I agree. And, you know, dealerships as well. Well, let me run these uh, few things by you. It's a different article about best practices. And some of these kind of caught me off guard here. Uh, Best practices. Speak in headlines. Speak in headlines. And it talks about especially... Uh, across different modes of communication, email, text, right. even you know having meetings and things like this. It says use key messages that result in action and then assign call to action items to specific people with due dates. I love that aspect yeah. of it. Because I think we've done a lot of consulting where we don't necessarily have to change the process or change the culture. We just kind of say, okay, you are responsible for this action item. Right. And you, sir, are responsible for this action item. Yeah. And then we come back 30 days later and go, okay, did you do that action item? Yeah. I mean, it's almost, you know, it's not that elementary. No. Well, I mean, at times it is. And <laughs> yeah. and I, honestly, I don't care if they did it, you know, oh, my God, they're coming in tomorrow. I got to get this stuff done because they're going to ask yeah. me in front of my boss, right. dealer, or whoever you know, if I got this done, so I better have had some traction on that. Well, hey, at least they got it done. I mean, the most frustrating was when you go back the third month in a row and say, hey, did we finally get this one taken care of? Nah, just didn't have the time again. All right. You know what? Listen, you guys are paying me too much to fail. You're off the bus, right? We've all read Energy Bus by, I think it's John Gordon. Yep. Uh, those people are just not on the energy bus, man. Right. There and you if, you're, if you have the ability to drive the bus and determine who's on the bus and who's off, 
Some people sometimes need to be kicked off the bus. They need to be kicked off the bus. They're Absolutely. Just not on board. Yeah. And it goes back to, again, what you'll tolerate is what you should expect. Another one of those uh, phrases I love using or, or find myself using quite frequently. Yeah. Right? So if you'll tolerate that, Mr. Dealer, are you okay with the fact that, you know, this is the third month in a row and we still haven't had any progress in this area? Are you good with that? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Then if, if you, well, I want him to do it, but no, no. if you'll tolerate it. Expect it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if it's not really high on your priority list, if you're going to tolerate them not doing it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, let's be frank about what your priorities are. right. Yeah. This is kind of funny because it says the next best practice is to use multiple ways to deliver a message. And, again, it says email, verbal, uh, signs, you know, in employee areas, uh, texting, But then it says, as an example, it says notifications of what's in it for me uh, should, you know, be distributed in different communication forms. Okay. Now, I think the key here is the underlying point of communicate what's in it for your employees. Yeah. I mean, that's what made me very successful in my consulting is dealers love the fact that I could go in any department and speak with any person employed in that department, manager, employee, whatever, and kind of get them on board with the big idea. Yeah. You know, whatever this cultural change was going to be yeah. or this news process. And, and the way I did that was related to how it's going to make that person's life easier or better. Right. More successful. Yeah. yeah. Either think, this is going to make you more money or it's going to make your job easier. Right. There's nothing more motivating than attaching the, I call it with them, what's in it for me. Right. Right. To a new activity or requirement of their position. Hey, here's how it's going to help you. Right? People, it, I mean, will I do something that I'm required to do with no benefit back to me? Yeah, I'll do it. I'm not going to be excited about it. But if I really buy into the that with them, then yeah, all of a sudden I'm going to take some ownership over it to go, yeah, I, I, I want to achieve this. Well, we've talked before about getting people to want to do the thing that you want them to do yeah. versus just doing it to appease you. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what you're saying. And and I think there's an intrinsic motivation behind, I can help you be better. Right. People want to be, you know, they want to take pride in their work. They want to be, you know, more often than not the best at what they do. They, they want that, you know, kind of shot in the arm that, man, I, I got this. So. And for the lazy ones, hey, do this thing and it's going to make your job easier. Yeah. Because because nobody will be riding your ass. Yeah. <laughs> for hey, not doing anything. Else. Right. <laughs> yeah. At least you won't have to hear it that you didn't <laughs> you, do it. Yeah, if you'll just and, do it, nobody will talk and about And I'm going to walk you through how to accomplish this. <laughs> and I, I, I see that also, right? It's, it's not that people don't want to do what they're asked to do many times it's that they don't really know how to do what they're being asked to do right they're given some task or goal and you know it's without any definition as to here's how you can achieve this and i've seen that recently in a business that i do consulting with where you know goals and i mentioned it on another podcast goals were set by upper management and they were goals that were by all the the people being held accountable to the goals, unrealistic goals. 
And there was no, here's why we feel like these are appropriate goals. There was no, here's how you can achieve these goals that we've set just, for you. These are your new goals. Right. And these up, are the goals. And they're up 20% from last year. And, uh, more than 20%. <laughs> and not only these are the new goals, and the only other thing that was presented with those goals was, and we know if you really try, you can do it. We have faith in you. Right, yeah. <laughs> We believe these are definitely attainable. Yeah, well, how? What, what? What should I change? Oh, don't worry about it. You'll figure you, it out. Yeah, you just gotta. You know, if you just work harder and no other change involved, no other encouragement or, or uh, structure. Just simply, and if you try, you should be able to recess. Well, an example that I've run across so many times is, you know, we go in and talk to the dealer about, all right, here, like a BDC specific is, you know, you have three BDC agents. We should be making 300 calls a day times 22 working days is uh, 300 times 22, that's 6,600 calls in a month. Right. Well, right now we're currently making 2,400. Right. So, you know, so we're about a third yeah. of where we should be. Well, so, so we need to fix that. Yeah. Well, if you just leave it at that, nothing's going to be fixed. No, right? That's a daunting so, number. Right. So what we do is dive in with the BDC manager and say, "All right, we need a hundred calls a day. You're currently making, you know, whatever, forty calls a day or forty-five calls a day per person." Right. So what this looks like is, number one, we want to make sure we have people to call. Yeah. And here is where you can pull people to call. Yeah. Uh, number two is, let's not check monthly. Let's check hourly. Right. You know, instead of waiting till the 30th to say, all right, how did we do? Let's right. check every hour and make yeah. sure every rep's making those 10 calls an hour. Well, it's like the, you know, you check something once a month, you may have a bad month, but you won't have a bad year. You check something once a week, you may have a bad week, you won't have a bad month. Once a day, bad day, not a bad week. Once an hour, you may have a bad hour, but you won't have a bad day, right? As long as you're coaching and training and holding to account on a more micro level, the further will take care of itself. Yeah. Right. So, what is the acceptable bad period, so to speak? Yeah. Right. I mean, for in some cases, in some businesses, or even in some dealerships, hourly is not realistic based on staffing and management and engagement opportunities and that kind of thing. But daily is. I mean, I can't imagine a situation where daily requirements wouldn't be realistic, and to be able to manage per day. Hey, I may have a bad day, but I want a bad week. Why? Because I'll get engaged after the bad day and go, hey, you know what? That's we we can't. That's not acceptable. And what's holding you back? And here's how I feel like you know you should be able to achieve this. What are the roadblocks that you ran into yesterday that prevented you from that? Well, I think Abraham Lincoln said it best when he said that a four score and seven years. <laughs> yeah. Our fathers brought forth on this. Uh, you know, I had to learn that in fourth grade, and I still remember like half of it. Uh, now we are engaged in this great civil war to test whether this nation or any nation can so endure. Uh, yeah, anyway, useless talents. Abraham Lincoln said that the greatest fertilizer a field can have is the shadow of its owner. Yeah. Pretty deep stuff there, yeah, eh, right? good stuff. But I think that goes back to what we were talking about before. It's engagement. Yeah. The, the best fertilizer that your sales crop can have is you being engaged yeah. and being there. The shadow of the manager. Right, yeah. right. All right, uh, another couple here just real quick. Uh, it says most people can absorb and kind of engage with or remember a maximum of two actions or action items per message. 
Okay. So if you're shooting out an email, try to limit it to a couple of things. Yeah. You know, or if you're sending out a mass email, hey, John, I need you to work on these two things. Dave, I want you to concentrate on these two things. Right. Uh, and then it says short bulleted messages are key for like emails opened on a, on a web device, on, a, on an iPad or on a phone. Yeah. You know, just keep it short, concise, and a couple of bullet points. So a couple of things there. One is, I know we've talked about the the detrimental impact of poor or lack of communication, mm-hmm. right? So I think email is a great way, especially from a management standpoint, whether you're the GM managing a team of managers or you're the managers managing a team of salespeople, it's, email is a great way to reinforce what was communicated verbally, right? If I have a verbal conversation with you, to follow that up with an email saying, okay, these are the bullet points, these are the highlights from my understanding or from what I meant to communicate from our conversation. Just because it takes the ambiguity out of it. Oh, I didn't realize you were wanting me to do that. Well, I know you mentioned it, but... it catches the slacker who's going to say, I didn't know that's what you meant. Right. But it helps the guy who's actually going to do it yeah. because now he's got clear instructions. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think from that perspective, those multiple forms of communication are, are very, very important. Um, and then the second thing is uh, when I'm setting those expectations, there has to be some short-term follow-up i mean you mentioned having deadlines Mm -hmm. well there has to be some short-term follow-up to say okay let's revisit this yeah how did this go how did we do you know how's it starting are these accomplished did you achieve the goal if not what were the well not even did you achieve the goal but you know how how's that first step going yeah you know how's it how's the project getting getting underway right well kind of falls into the last point here I'm going to share is frequency is the key to effectively communicating a message. And I think, you know, it says establish a routine calendar with consistent communication and this kind of thing. Well, that goes back to what we've talked about before with, you know, whether it's a daily manager's meeting or, uh, you know, whatever, some kind of consistent known entity of when we are going to discuss these KPIs. Yeah, yeah. Whether because, that be in the BDC per hour or, you know, weekly or daily in the manager's meeting. Right. I mean, I, I've been in those meetings where, you know, it's been a month since I was there before, right? That mm-hmm. I'm going in dealerships on a monthly basis. And, you know, I mean, a month has transpired. And now we're asking, well, why wasn't this achieved on a daily basis? And, you know, the manager being questioned, his eyes kind of glaze over Well. You know, now I'm trying to figure out, well, we had that one day that, you know, we had that rep in here that everybody, all right, that was one day, right? It was 30 (laughs) days. And okay, so let's call it 29 days now. You know, it's the fault of the upper management, managing the management team, to why is the first time you're asking them about tasks that were assigned on a daily or weekly basis? Why is the first time you're asking them a month later? Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, you're almost setting them up to fail. You know, the the uh, people who take ownership and are going to be self-starters, so to speak. Yeah, they're going to achieve. But gosh, why not make it easy? By saying on a weekly basis or well, that, even every that, couple days, hey, how are we on this? Right. That shadow analogy 
falls in the lap of everyone throughout the organization. Well, I think the 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 shorter term checks on the requirements not only helps keep them in check, so to speak, but it also shows the the person responsible to do the activity that this is something I'm going to be following up right. on. It, right? It's important. Because too many things in, in dealerships and business in general, we say, okay, everybody's got to do this. And then, all right, is this one of those things that everybody has to do that we're never going to discuss again? Right. Or is this one of those things that you really expect us to actually do? So I, it certainly moves it from the, this is just a, a suggestion to uh, this is something that is not going away. Yeah, and you know, we edited an episode and released it today where I was talking about speaking with a dealer on just that exact subject where, you know, he says, how come you guys are able to make such a big improvement? You know, what what's the magic spell that you guys use to improve these dealers? Right. Well, it's accountability. Yeah. You know, we all know what we should be doing for the most part. Yeah. There may be some, you know, hey, we learned this at this dealer in Boston and now I'm sharing it with my dealers in Phoenix. Yeah. But for the most part, we all agree we should, you know, reach out to customers. We could follow up on leads, you know, this kind of deal. And then it's just having the accountability and the follow through to actually do that. I read a research study recently that said 70% of sales training has zero impact on sales. 70%. And why do you think that is, Ray? I think it's because it's ideas that people go, wow, that's a great idea. You know what? I should do that. And then they go back to work the next day, and it's right back to the same old, same old, right? You know, I mean, it's, all right, so time to go to work. You know, I know what to do at work. I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. And they haven't integrated these ideas. And then they hear it again six months later from a different yeah. sales consultant or trainer or whatever. And they go, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. But then when I get in the daily grind and I go, okay, what do I got to do today? All right, well, I got to do this we go right back to the just uh, work as usual. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what do you think about our do's and don'ts here today, Ray? Yeah, I, I'm pretty good. A little disappointed. You are? Yeah. Because we didn't talk more music, more '80s bands. Now that you know, we really couldn't poke any holes in that stuff. It was pretty, uh, pretty solid stuff. Were you a big Striper fan? Mm, I wouldn't say a big fan. I'm familiar with Striper. What about Dio? Big fan of Ronnie James Dio. Uh, now again, I wouldn't classify myself as big fan. No. Did you uh, Did you ever listen to any Michael Bolton? Uh, maybe very some, rarely. Maybe some Richard Marks. Mm, again, and, even more rarely. <laughs> yeah, I dated a girl when I was fourteen. It was my, actually my first girlfriend. She was a huge Richard Marks fan. Of course she was. And that movie, I mean, that song came out uh, video where he's sitting down at the piano and. I don't know, some sappy, you know, love song. You know, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, my wife and I were watching some videos from the 80s, you know, some yeah. music videos. And uh, and some of these bands that had these videos, and she's watching the video, and she looks at me, and she was like, I thought that guy was so hot when I was in high school. Like, you know, I mean, just kind of a teen beat, you know, oh, man, what a dreamy guy. And she's like, oh, my God, looking at him now. I'm what like, a, what a, I bet he smells. What was what I thinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it, it, it was more than one. 
Yeah. And she thought, you know what? Those were, you know, I mean, what I don't know that she went so far as posters on her wall. My but sister had a big crush on Rick Springsteen. I think Springsteen? Or Springfield. Springfield. Rick Springfield. He was one of the ones. Well, come on. That guy stood the test of time, right? He was like a soap opera hero. He was a musician. My sister was in love with this guy. All right. He didn't look like he smelled, at least. Uh, I think it was one of the ones we watched where she was like, oh my gosh, was uh, Jay Guile. That guy was just... Did he do... Did they they do Angel as a centerfold? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, there were quite a few. There was a, more than more than one or two that she was like, I, I just can't even imagine what I was seeing at the time. So, well, at Mobile, Alabama. I want to give a shout out to uh, UJ Chevrolet. I was down there coaching one time, and uh, they had this girl. Uh, we all had nicknames there. They called me Big Sale. Because every time we were on the phone, I'm like, tell them about the big sale. Ask them if they're calling about the big sale. Right. So every time I came in, you know, for hey, months. Hey, big sale. Yeah, hey, big sale. Well, I said, if I'm big sale, who are you, White Snake? This girl looked just like Tawny Katane. Okay. You know, rolling around on yeah. the hood there. She had the, the hair, you know, teased up. And I think she even had, may have had a jean jacket. But uh, All right. if you're out there listening, White Snake in, at UJ Chevrolet in Mobile, Alabama. This is Big Sale coming at you. <laughs> coming at you live. All right, man. Well, we better wrap it up. Yes. Uh, we've come to the end of yet another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. And I want to thank everyone for joining us. We do appreciate it. And we hope you'll listen again. Like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com, where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written. Or email us directly, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and improvement, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right, and these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. That's info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.